A friend of mine had courageously and stubbornly persevered through several years of illness and chemotherapy so that she might see her granddaughter, whom she'd raised like a daughter, grow into adulthood. As my friend's health deteriorated, the granddaughter struggled to imagine life without her. And the young woman knew her grandmother struggled also at the thought of leaving her. It was a long goodbye, with many tears and much suffering. Neither one could let the other go, so great was their mutual devotion and need. When the call finally came that death was imminent, the granddaughter drew near for what would become the last time, and she shared with her grandmother the image a friend had given her only the day before. And I was privileged to hear her say through her tears, Mimi, I didn't know how I was going to go on without you until my friend explained what had happened in her life after the death of her surrogate mother. She said that while we won't be able to see each other, at, at least not for a little while, we will be as close as a mother and child in the womb. We'll be too close, really, to see each other face to face. If you are willing, and here the young woman laughed as she said, and I know you'll be willing, and I am open. I will sense that we are intimately connected, and I will sometimes experience something like the little kick that lets a pregnant mother know that the one she loves but cannot see is well and is with her. If you are willing and I am open, then little things like a sudden breeze, a red bird alighting nearby, a whiff of perfume can signal our love and our connectedness. After the granddaughter finished speaking, the grandmother drew only two or three more breaths before the door I had so carefully closed behind us blew open with a sudden gust, and she was gone. Later, the granddaughter told me the story that her friend had shared with her, the story that had given her the confidence to let her grandmother go. In this story of this other surrogate mother, the dying woman had requested that her toenails be painted purple. And as a final act of love, reminiscent to me of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples on the night before he died, the surrogate daughter did as she was asked. It had been a holy and tender moment between them. And then some years later, on the anniversary of that death, a woman who was very nearly a stranger approached her saying, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to give you this, and handed her a bottle of purple nail polish. We've all heard stories of the intimate connectedness of loved ones who have died. I've heard several just this week. A devoted husband dies, and friends come over to sweep 
to rake the leaves from his lawn, only to find what his widow recognized as the wedding ring that he had lost and grieved. A child whose mother had only just died came up to me last week illumined with joy because she had experienced the healed and healing presence of her mother throughout the Eucharist. And it was Mother's Day. In our Gospel lesson today, Jesus is speaking to his disciples on the evening before his death, a painful evening for all of them to be sure. He speaks directly. There is no time this night for parables, no room for misunderstandings. Over and over in the discourse of that evening, Jesus presses the point that he loves them that even though they won't see him for a little while, he will be with them. He will not leave them orphaned. He will be with them just as the Father is with him, and he is with the Father. They have only to keep his commandments, to continue to love God and neighbor, and to love one another as he has loved them. Now, to understand what this call to love might have meant to his listeners, it helps to remember that first-century Mediterranean people were strongly group-oriented. There was no sense of self separate from the group, whether that group might be family or village or guild. Individual choices and actions always reflected the group's values rather than one's own interior or emotional state of being. And so love, expressed, love was expressed not so much with emotion as with actions that supported the well-being of the group. Love, therefore, was a commitment, a bond, and a behavior. Love was not revealed so much by affection, but by loyalty and reliability by faith and trust. It was an indissoluble attachment where those who loved became as one and behaved as one. Well, Jesus spent that last evening trying to make plain this love, his love, his solidarity with those he loved. He did it with bread and wine, by stooping to wash their feet, and now by assuring them that he will be with them, that he will not abandon them. He assured the disciples that they have only to keep his commandments, to live and act in love, to find their lives embedded in his, just as his life is embedded in the Father. When Jesus says, if you love me, or when you love me, it's the same word in the Greek, you will keep my commandments, we might hear him to say, when you love me, when you become one with me, your behavior can't help but reveal that connection to others. Our behavior is what Jesus is interested in. In speaking to his friends that last night, Jesus wants us to understand that our behavior will not only reveal our love to him, 
but will continue to convey his love to the world. He wants us to understand that the connection we have with him is vital, alive, active, engaging. If we want proof of that connection, we should not look for some evidence outside of ourselves. We will find what we long for by living our lives as Jesus showed us. We have only to act on our connection, to act on our connection to Jesus to find it to be true. Now, those moments when we feel connected once more to those who are no longer here, those wedding ring and purple toenail polish moments, give us comfort. We sense that those we miss so much are safe and at peace. The disciples must have felt something like that after seeing Jesus resurrected. But Jesus' promise that I will be with you was not just or primarily a message of comfort. It is a call to lean into that reality to dare to act accordingly here and now, this side of that veil. The point of his message is not merely that we're connected to that life beyond. It's also that we are to make that connection ever more visible by working with him to make our flawed, troubled world more and more a reflection of God's perfecting love. Jesus came to show us that finally there is no division between us and the world he left in order to come to us, the world to which he returned. That is the ultimate message of comfort and hope. But it is also our ultimate privilege and purpose. We are pregnant with the very life in whom we live and move and have our being. May we bear that life with the love that connects us to all life and for all time. By serving others, may we come face to face in this life with the one who is now too close to see. Amen.